This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 17, Episode 39. This is Writing Excuses, writing bodies and intimacy with special guest K.M. Spera. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Dong Wan Song. I'm Piper J. Drake. I'm Howard Taylor. And we are here live on the Writing Excuses cruise with a live audience of writers. <laughs> and also our special guest, K.M. Sparrow. Kellen, say hello. Hi. Uh, this is my first Writing Excuses cruise. <laughs> um... And I am the author of books such as Docile and Cam Spera, and I write a lot about, like, sex and vampires and blood. So we are going to actually give you a content warning for this particular episode. We're going to be talking about bodies and intimacy, and we're not going to be using euphemisms. We're going to be talking about adult acts that adults do with actual adult bodies. Um, and adult bodies run in a full range. Yes, which is to say that as someone who writes queer and trans bodies a lot, if this episode might trigger you on any of those axes, please take care of yourself. All right. So with that, let's dive into the actual content. So you pitched this episode to us, Kellen. What, what are some of the things that you think about when you're thinking about like writing bodies and intimacy? What are some important aspects of that? Sure. I mean, for me, it's so important to show, uh, especially queer and trans bodies, um, there's such a mystery sort of around us, even to our own selves sometimes. And uh, we do a lot of manifesting of our own bodies, um, you know, when we are alone with others. Um, I have uh, sat down and struggled with what do I call this character's genitals that makes me feel okay and makes the character feel okay and makes the character's partner feel okay? Or what conflict does that bring up? Um, so, you know, for me, like settling on that intimacy between uh, one and more people uh, and being alone or with others with your body is so rich with there's inner external conflict, uh, tension, but also uh, a sense of knowing yourself and or character growth. I love that because communication is so key and you can really see that in the development of the relationship through the course of the book, because you can find during different moments through the story that they're more likely to trust and there's a building of trust over time as they feel more comfortable communicating with each other and also being self-aware, like you said, and just aware of themselves and what they need. Yeah, um, it's funny because I was talking earlier on this retreat uh, with my agent, uh, actually, and I brought up how when I first started writing, I learned this sort of like they meet and then there's unresolved sexual attention for the entire book and they kiss at the end and that's the prize for the reader and the characters. Um, and that was real bad for me. Uh, I have instead uh, fallen into this thing which I think is very queer, uh, which is you know, very queer, not applicable to everyone all the time, but for, you know, me and many other people, which is that there's uh, sex first, intimate moments first, and then sort of like dealing with the uh, emotional and or communications that lead up, right up to it, and also the falling out and how that manifests over the course of the rest of the novel or story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Because like, 
I know that we think of romance in particular as being rather structured in the order, and I have even taught how there is often a progression of intimacy that happens. But once you know what that progression kind of is expected, you can also explore how it happens not quite in that order and what that does to the character, that that reaction time and that thinking about it and what exploring what works for them. I love that. For me, in real life, there is no order, right? So we do different things with different people at different times. And uh, it's really important to me that characters be like emotionally true, um, you know, so yeah, I'm with you. So one of the things that, uh, as, as you're talking about this in emotional truth, I'm thinking about some of the scenes in Docile and the way the context of the scene mm. changes the action. Do you want to talk a little bit about how you communicate context and, and, and safety or not safety? Sure. Um, the context is interesting because my first thought was like, where is the sex happening? <laughs> um, sometimes it happens in your like executive office at work, um, which I guess you're allowed to do if you're the CEO. But um, I think the actual context is, you know, uh, who are you having sex with? What kind of sex you're having? Um, what are the power dynamics between you? So, uh, for example, even though there are many sex scenes in Docile, uh, there's the blowjob scene. There's, as my editor has once said, the one ass-eating scene per book as as mandated by God. Um, you know, Only one? Are we, like, limited to one? No, or it's just at least one? It happens that way. So, okay. um, but, but the point of that is, you know, the sort of context, it is, um, it is, you know, for Elijah, the protagonist, it is, I am being asked to do something versus... Uh, something is being done to me. Um, and do you feel like more of a willing participant if you are doing the thing, which presents a whole different struggle emotionally than laying back and having something happen to you? Um, and then later on in the novel, um, he gets to have a, his first like real consensual sexual experience and um, navigates that uh, with a totally... With, you know, totally different context, using language he's never had access to before, um, feeling emotions he's never felt, trying to deal with um, how to go about having some of the same experiences physically that you had the first time, but, you know, with somebody who is being very respectful about it. Can we talk about some tools that we can use to 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 do this to do this well? Like one of the, the most useful frameworks that I was given when I was first writing uh, the, the kind of intimate scenes that I do, which frequently resolve into fade to blacks, but um, was to think of them as either a conversation or a fight scene. Mm. That uh, with a fight scene, I have to think about the geography and and things that human bodies will actually do. Uh, and that with the conversation, that there's something that each person is trying to communicate to the other through the physical actions of their body. Yeah, I think a lot about fight scenes when it sort of comes to these kind of moments in books, in part because, you know, we live in a society that can be very prudent or not prudent, <laughs> uh, prudish and prurient about bodies and about sex and about intimacy. But we're a, a society that also glorifies violence. We have um, and, you know, lots of scenes in movies that have very extreme, explicit detail about what happens to a body when violence happens to it. And so so much of fiction is already engaging with the collision of bodies in these high-intensity emotional moments. We're just only allowed to talk about certain kinds of that versus what is a scene of intimacy versus a scene of violence. 
functionally narrative in the narrative, they often perform a similar thing where two characters enter a scene with different goals, different emotional states, and they exit that scene having resolved some aspect of that or evolved into a different emotional state. So there's a way in which I think of these functionally as performing the same thing in the narrative, hopefully with different outcomes. Hopefully one of them's not dead by the end of it. But, you know, I think there is a way in which that from a high level, mechanically, they can be very, very similar. And it really comes down to how we as society can think about and interact with bodies um, in, in, in that way. I actually want to provide a contrasting approach because I'm really well known for fight scenes, especially in my romantic suspense and body count, especially in a lot of my other work. Uh, but I write romance. And one of the things is, while I have combat scenes and fight scenes in my stories, I often think about moments of intimacy as dance. Mm. Uh, and it's it's one of those things that I didn't do on purpose, but because I was a dancer and I was in dance from age three to 28 actively, and also it's a part of my meet cute with my partner, Matthew J. Drake, that we danced together and we both enjoy you know West Coast Swing and Blues Fusion, that I often think of intimacy scenes and how I choreograph them as dance and whether that's horizontal or standing up or a little <laughs> bit of both and also the logistics of lifts right like it actually translates better for me and you know if it involves more than two partners also choreography helps a lot for that because what bodies can do right like one person may be very bendy and one person may not be very bendy and also like what are the logistics of actually being able to lift two people like a lot more of that actually translates better in my head to dance choreography well I guess so that's another alternative i think a fight scenes is also being about dance right it's about that movement and control and you know in part i love martial arts movies i know we're wandering farther off topic at this point <laughs> but you know like I, I i do think dance is a really useful thing to think about in terms of that interaction in that give and take and that interplay of you know power and uh and and connection and emotion are all things that flow back and forth let me this. let me circle this back real quick one of one of my favorite uh, uh, MCU fight scenes is the one in uh, Civil War where Falcon says to Spidey, have you ever been in a fight before? Usually there's not this much talking. Conversation during intimacy, to me, is one of the most wonderful things to read. I, I don't just want the choreography. I want, I want, I want dialogue. I want... I, it's a it's a yes. conversation. It's much more than just than just blocking. Much more than that. Yeah, I am uh, also somebody who is deeply in love with the first person present point of view um, and get away with it as much as I can. But I feel like um, every not everyone chooses it and uses it to their full advantage. And so for me, like being in a different first person point of view for a sex scene and then swap, you know, swapping the points of view um, to show the next sex scene, like you, you know, are not just getting the, you know, you, the reader, get to see the conversation between the two people, but then you get to see later how the other character might have experienced that sex or contact totally different from the other character. Um, and, uh, you know, I, uh, I had a story out uh, with two trans boyfriends, and uh, they both had different physical needs when it came to sex. Um, and so you really got to live, you know, in their heads and in the dialogue. 
Yeah. And I think the progression is also important through the course of the story because, again, we're also seeing the progression of how they work together. And to come back to the point about communication as well and dialogue, I think it's amazing and awesome and I love it and I'm so into it. And it's also really hot, I think, in romance that there's consent, not just up front, but repeatedly through each step of that interaction. And if there's not, what are the reactions to it? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. These are, I think, wonderful points. Let's take a moment to to pause for our book of the week, uh, which is actually by Kellen. Wow, what a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That book would be First Become Ashes. Uh, It is a novel whose pitch I did not practice right before this. It takes place uh, in a cult. Um, In the first chapter, they are all liberated from the cult against their will. Um, they were raised to believe that they could do magic. So when the FBI says, you cannot do magic, and also everything you believe is fake, um, one of them, Lark, spends the rest of the novel sort of unraveling what that means for him as a person, grappling with belief and his own body, especially since uh, he took sort of like a sacred chastity vow, like with a literal chastity device. So there's some really interesting sex that comes out on the other end of that. That sounds very um, exciting. Uh, it's called First Become Ashes by K.M. Sparrow. Um, so let's, let's move on to um, one of my, my favorite things, which is, is talking about how things can go terribly wrong. Um, so let's talk about some tropes and euphemisms and, and ways of discussing this that are maybe not the most intimate. For instance, I had to narrate a book that literally had the line, um, uh, she released his love snake from its denim prison. <laughs> Purple prose. I mean, if you say that during sex and the other person doesn't laugh and then you will have a great time, that would be a cool scene. Though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, or is it monster effing? Like, yes. are we dropping F-bombs? Yes. Like, we are going adult. All right, so monster fucking is a thing and it is a very, it's rising in popu- popularity right now and I know of at least two books with a prehensile penis going on. So love snake would be applicable. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean, people ask me this a lot. Like, how do you keep writing so many sex scenes so the language gets stale? Um, How do you, like, I name things very bluntly. Um, I usually use cock in sexual situations, but then you'll see that I use dick when someone's just, like, alone thinking about their body. Um, And, you know, I, you know... (laughs) The one ass eating for book for a book. It's like, does butt sound sexy enough? Like, I do want it to be hot, right? So, like, sex is both about characters and tension and intimacy, but also butts. So, like, for me, it's picking these the words that titillate not just for the reader, but for you as the author. I mean, I'm struggle with censoring. Be turned on by what you write. You know, is like sort of a mantra that I think. Well, I, I think that's true with with any emotion that you're trying to provoke in a reader that that you are your own first reader. So I think that that's a, a very natural thing and not something that people should be ashamed of, even though we are constantly told by different forms of media, especially uh, the, anything that is 
remotely off of mainstream that you shouldn't do that thing and should somehow be ashamed of it. I actually thought I was a little bit odd because I have I don't like to write the word butt because it's not pretty to me. So I like bum or behind or ass better as like a hotter thing when I'm writing. And I'll actually have an editor call me out and be like, do you have a problem with butt? And I'm like, no, it just I don't like the way the word looks. It, it is it is not a pretty word on the page. I like with the I Regency, mean, I get a lot. I would his buttocks. Buttocks, <laughs> yeah. Buttocks is almost hotter to me or bum is more hot, yeah. like hotter to me. Behind can be really hot, but then it gets confusing. I've found great uses for it, but they haven't been intimate uses. <laughs> yeah, the words I struggle with are always like, what do we call testicles? Balls, which is like also not like a super sexy word. And then like asshole, which makes me sound like you're saying you're an asshole. You're a jerk. Yeah. Um, Weird side note, in, in Icelandic, a, a euphemism or a, 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 a term of endearment for like when you're looking at a little baby and it's like, oh, how cute you are. Aren't you a little asshole? What a cute little asshole you are. What a little raisin asshole. Wow. <laughs> yeah, the visual that I just got. Yeah, yeah. Quite, um, My gift to you. My gift. You know, one thing I was thinking about is something you touched on very briefly before, Kellen. You know, I think there's a way in which, um, you know, there, there's a demand and hunger for queer stories, but a lot of times those queer stories allied over queer bodies, right? And, you know, I, I'm, I'm also trans and queer myself. And, you know, one of the things that I become frustrated with is somehow, sometimes that metaphoric language, sometimes that fade to black, sometimes being a little bit more um, uh, clever about how you're describing certain body parts can kind of unintentionally erase the bodies of the people that are being presented on page, right? And so... Uh, how much do you find that that directness is useful or not? I mean, because there's also kind of things where sometimes there are, you know, inevitably gender valences attached to certain body parts that become complicated. I got you. Um, I mean, one of the one of the reasons I keep writing very explicit uh, sex scenes, uh, especially for my trans characters, my queer characters, there is this air of like, are you exploiting bodies that are already exploited a lot? Like as trans people, it's very much like the what's in your pants question. And I answer that repeatedly um, because, I, you know, I want these characters to have agency over their bodies. And like, for example, in the novelette, uh, I wrote small changes over long periods of time. We have a trans character who, you know, he's a trans man. Uh, he calls his clit a clit and he calls it uh, at one point like engorged like a swollen tick which is like not necessarily something that's like super hot but like is the vibe for him right now and it's like um, you know how, sometimes our bodies like do feel like hot but also kind of weird and gross at the same time um, and I have this agenda which is not simply uh, to write sex scenes because I think they're hot, but also because I want other people to think that I'm hot. Uh, I want other people to think that people like me are hot and know that we are having good sex. Like, uh, queer and trans sex is uh, experimental in that we don't learn about it growing up necessarily. We are putting ourselves on the map as we go, and I feel so like honored to be part of that conversation. I think that that's wonderful. And I also think that that actually segues us really nicely into our homework assignment. Yes. So for homework, um, I would like you to write a character undressing either alone or with others. So you're going to do a little bit of exploration. <whistles> Whee! <laughs> All right. This has been Writing Excuses. You are out of excuses. Now go write. 
Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.